Hey guys, a little cold open before the cold open, so I guess you can call it an ice cold cold open. I don't know. Uh, that was a bad joke, but this is another one of those interviews where it was recorded before we got the new equipment. So if it sounds bad comparatively to the rest of the story of us, or the rest of the content me and Tom's put out lately, uh, we apologize for that. But it is a fantastic interview, and you're about to hear me do an ad read, which was entertaining, and it, don't skip over it because it's amazing. Um, I'm Elliot Menace, MLS Aces, and I don't really have any more words to say, so let's just get to the show already. Hello and welcome to MLS Aces. I'm Riley McManus. Of course, this is the story of us, the last one. I know, I'm sorry, it can't be longer. I had six guests, I wanted to have a lot more. But you know what? I am officially announcing this will continue into next off season. Just depends. We got to work everything out. But I'm definitely doing a season two of the story of us because I've received a lot of positive feedback. I am very very happy with the progress that this has made. Me and Tom uh, had talked about it in August and September about this being a possibility of something we might do. He gave me until December. In, in January to record these interviews, I got that done, and now we're here. The Thursday before the MLS season starts on Saturday, releasing the last one, and it is with Mackenzie Thurkill. Before I tell you about her, listening to a podcast, and especially when one of your favorite interview series is coming to an end, can be complicated and confusing. But buying tickets with SeatGeek is the better way to get tickets to any type of live event. Whether you're planning a day out with friends, searching for a last-minute deal, or buying a gift card for a loved one, SeatGeek helps you find the best deals at the lowest prices that fit your budget fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team or musician in person. SeatGeek will get you closer to the action with a great value. There's nothing like time going to see New York City Football Club, or me going to see Orlando City live and in person, and SeatGeek helps us do that. And guess what? SeatGeek is the official ticketing partner of Major League Soccer. That's what we do here, is Major League Soccer. It's in the title of this show, so be sure to check out SeatGeek for all your MLS needs. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone. I recently just went to a concert. It was fantastic. And you know what? I, I could have got $20 off. It wasn't my first purchase on, on this app. That's how often I use it. You only get one first purchase. And I've already used mine. So that tells you something about how frequently I use the app. And it tells you I've used it at least one, once before. But I've used it on numerous occasions that I can't do a promo code anymore. Which is absolutely telling of how good this app is. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. It saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And how they do it is they rate amazing, great, good, okay, fair, bad, and worse deals. So you know if you want to get screwed over and go to the bad or worse side, be my guest. But they put it at the top in green letters. Amazing deal, great deal, good deal. They respect your budget to any a live event you might want to attend. 
And that also brings us to our next point, getting the most bang for your buck. SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. They respect the budget, and that's one thing you have to like SeatGeek for. They're not trying to break the bank. They're not trying to bust your bank account and have that little withdrawal fee where you withdraw too much money and not, not enough left in your account. They respect the budget, and they'll get you the tickets that fit that budget perfectly. Plus, and this is a big plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed. So you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make sure SeatGeek is your go-to app for finding the best tickets to any live event from sports to concerts to comedy to theater. And literally any live event might be on SeatGeek. Just search the artist or the sporting event or the comedian and it's going to pop up right there and it's going to be a fantastic situation. This, it's written in black letters and it says must read so I got to read it right here. Best of all, our listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. As I have mentioned, download the SeatGeek app today. You have to have a smartphone to download the app. An iPhone, an Android, a Windows phone, a Google Pixel, whatever you got. If it's a smartphone and you can have access to an app store, download the SeatGeek app. It is blue with a white seat. Enter the promo code ACES. Like the card with an S at the end. A as an Aphrodite. C as in caramel, E as in electric, and S as in super excited SeatGeek is our sponsor for today. Ran out of words there. That's our promo code ACES, A-C-E-S, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And now, McKenzie Third Kill. She is amazing. I've worked with her on numerous occasions. And it is is an absolute pleasure to be on the microphone with her and to be on the phone with her to talk about soccer, to talk about life, to talk about whatever. So you're really going to enjoy the sixth and final edition of the first season of Story of Us is now. On the line today is Mackenzie Thurkill. She is absolutely fantastic at her job, and we are very, very honored and blessed to have her here with us. Mackenzie, how are you? I'm great. How are you? What a great intro. Can you just follow me around and say that all the time when I introduce myself to people? I'll, I'll write it down. I'll write it down. <laughs> Not sure I can keep up. but You can be my hype guy. I've always wanted to be a hype guy. That's like a dream job. But uh, we, we, we thank you for coming on the program. You're actually our last person as part of the series. So we started with Neil Robstone, and now we're ending with you. So pretty great bookmarks for an incredible series that, you know, a, a lot of people contributed to. Yeah, no pressure on me to end this on a high note. <laughs> yeah, we're 50 seconds in. and 
hopefully it turns out good. Hopefully it turns out good. But I, I was reading through some of your questions or some of your answers to my questions, and I mean, you've had a pretty incredible life when it comes to just how you experience the game of soccer. And yeah, I, I guess you could say that. <laughs> I want to. I want to start here. Is that you found the game in a different way than most people find the game? Because I talked to numerous people over the series. And people find the games like, oh, yeah, I watched the World Cup, then I started watching, or I started playing FIFA, then I watched MLS. You actually were introduced to the game at, like, three or four years old. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that impacted your, your fandom of just kind of growing up with the game instead of just finding it? You know, my dad grew up playing soccer. He was never really, he grew up in Southern California. He never was allowed to play football, never got into baseball, nothing like that. So he played soccer even up until I was really little. So sports were always on in our household. I grew up in a big sports family, but soccer was always the thing that my dad really liked. And I think being like daddy's little girl, I was like, oh, I want to like be into like what my dad's in. And so don't get me wrong. I love so many other sports, but soccer was one of those things that my dad and I really connected over. And so I think that's why I have such appreciation over the game, because that's the one thing him and I can really, truly bond over, because he gets it, whether it's us just watching a game, whether and we know nothing about either the teams, or it's us just kicking a ball around. I think that's really where just my appreciation and love for it comes from. So you weren't like most of us who were watching the World Cup and eventually throughout like maybe the group stage you figure out what offside this. You kind of grew up with that knowledge. Like yeah. these are the set of rules and this is how it's up. And this is how yeah. it works. Yeah, I grew up I grew up playing sports all year round, everything from softball, cheering, soccer, playing, running routes with guys like in my neighborhood as a kid. And it's something so, like just sports in general is something that I've always loved and I've always had a passion for, but soccer, I've just, I've under, I've understood it. And so when it came time, especially to me really playing it and that really got competitive once I hit like middle school, so sixth grade or so, that's when I truly was like, all right, had a way better understanding and a weather, way better basis of like, all right, formation. And stuff like that. Yeah, I knew what offsides, onsides and all that stuff was growing up, but it wasn't until I really started playing that. I understood what it meant to actually play the game. You found the beauty of the game. Exactly. Since you experienced your first match in China, and you, you I mentioned in the intro you're, you're a military kid, mm-hmm. uh, how was the atmosphere different in China than it is, say, in 2017 MLS? Like, is the game kind of even? Is China ahead of us? Like, how, how does it compare? In China, I think soccer culture in China is just different. In China, it's a lot. Here, when you walk the streets, you're seeing NFL teams, you're seeing hockey teams, you're seeing baseball teams. And in China, it's very much NBA, and then it's soccer, whether that's Premier League, whether that's Champions League. You see a lot more of that, obviously, especially back in the day when, like, Beckham was playing. Everyone had Beckham kits on when you went around China. But where I lived in Guangzhou, which is in the southern part of China, it has very much a New York City type of feel to it. So there would just be courts and pitches, like, between roads in a sense and you would just see pickup all the time like you would never see an open field and I think it was just a lot more appreciated there especially in the expat community that I lived in that you had a lot of people especially from Europe coming over so everyone would be going to the pub on Saturday Sunday morning to watch a Premier League game like that's just how it was and I 
don't necessarily remember that, especially before I moved there. I moved there when I was 12, so that would have been early 2000s. And I think living in Orlando, you see that a lot. You see soccer culture is massive in Orlando, obviously, with Orlando City. But it, but it is a little bit different. I think it's a little bit at the level we want to be at in China that we want it to be at in the United States. And I think we're getting there. But I think there, they're just a little bit ahead of us because that's really something that they've been playing a lot longer and that they've just gravitated towards uh, more. Obviously, you lived, in, you lived in China a number of years ago, but was it the Chinese Super League? How much was that kind of part of their walking around, you, you know, seeing Premier League jerseys and David Beckham? How much of the Chinese Super League gear did you see? Uh... Not as much, and if and if I did see, I wasn't really looking at it. Okay, let me just be honest. Asians in general just sometimes wear really weird things. So usually if I saw a kid or something, I wasn't really looking at that as opposed to, like, the random American or, like, English written shirt that they were wearing that, like, made zero sense. So I was never really looking for a Super League kit, but, like, anytime I would see, like, a Manchester United or a Chelsea or Arsenal, or even, like, an NBA jersey, I was like, oh, nice, like, I recognize that, and it was just always, it was almost like a comfort thing, like, knowing that, like, I knew what that was, and they knew what that was. You, you felt familiar, familiarity. Exactly. But, China, why, why don't you get your own crap? American sports are American. <laughs> we don't need that your... Was a big, yeah, <laughs> when I lived there, that was when Yao Ming was still playing, so everyone, like, he was everywhere. You go into McDonald's, there were cutouts of him. Just, he was everywhere. There's still Yao Ming cutouts in Houston, by the way. Like, somewhere. Yeah, I think there is. <laughs> somewhere. But, now, you, you, your life was kind of based in, in Florida, you know, when you were mm -hmm. in the United States. And how has the addition of Orlando City to MLS helped your love for American soccer? So Orlando City is fantastic. I th three years in the league... And it's safe to say they're right up there with Seattle, Portland, and apparently now Atlanta for soccer environment. So how have they kind of yeah. helped your 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 love in American soccer? Cause that that's your team. That's your home. State. It is. It is my home. That's my team. I will absolutely adore that fan base. And it's funny. Before I took that job with Orlando City, I lived in Jacksonville, which is in North Florida, which might as well be Southern Georgia. <laughs> and I remember I didn't hear about Orlando City before they became an MLS team. And I just remember that first year in 2015, driving around Jacksonville, and I'd see these Orlando City city magnets all over cars, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, why are there, like, so many Orlando City fans just in Jacksonville? Like, what? And so I, like, looked into it, ended up going to a couple games, and I was like, this is awesome. It is so much fun. And then, of course, I ended up getting a job with the team, and now I've been there for two years. And I was there when we built the whole stadium. And it's everywhere like you feel it everywhere you go in Orlando the streets just have Orlando City stuff all over the place everyone just wears purple all the time like it just feels like family like it like anytime I see an Orlando City gear I get so excited I'm like hey Orlando City like and it could be off season it could be anything it could be when I'm at Disney it could be even like when I go to Tampa where my parents live it's really just taken over and the best thing about Orlando City and the way they went about it is they went a very grassroots way about marketing the team. And I think that really struck a chord with Orlando with Orlando and Florida in general, because in Florida, everything is so touristy and so in your face. And so the way 
Orlando City went about it, I think, really just captured everybody because that's what it was about. It wasn't about making this giant splash like a Disney or a Universal and nothing against Atlanta, but in a sense, Atlanta. And it feels much more homely in a sense. I don't know if that's necessarily the right word to use, but it really just feels like one giant family wherever you go. I love, because I came in the same time Orlando City is, and, that, and that's why they're my club. That's why they I support them above all other teams. And, of course, I have to be objective as a, you know, a, a media guy now. But mm-hmm. I came in the same time Orlando did. I knew who Kaka was. I had some, you know, recognition of soccer before I started watching MLS. But when I saw that, you know, city, that support group rally around and own the color purple, mm-hmm. it was it was just incredible. And that atmosphere at the Citrus Bowl for their first game against New York City, it was just incredible. It was yeah. absolutely phenomenal. And I jumped on the Orlando City bandwagon. And I, I identify with that team because we came at the same time and we were both trying to find our way in MLS. And now given I have already found my way, I'm obviously doing this job. <laughs> Orlando hasn't quite done that yet. Not not making the playoffs in their first three years. But they had a guy. They had Kaka, the face of the franchise. And that's what they needed to start off. They got people in the seats. They got people interested. And now we're here. They have their own brand new stadium. And the TIFO for their first game there was absolutely fantastic. It had the, uh, like, from the gods. And all, yep. the, all the soccer gods looking over the stadium. It was just magnificent. It was, yeah. it was absolutely fantastic. But I, I love how the community rally around. Not not only the team, but everything that came with the team. The, the, the players, the the colors, the just environment that they can create. Because American soccer culture, and that's the whole point of why I'm doing the series. You can create our culture because it hasn't been really done yet. No one yeah, really exactly. identifies American soccer culture. We're creating it right now. We have the opportunity to create something that impacts the rest of the world. And I want to see one day down the line someone wearing a Kyle Aaron jersey walking around the streets of Leeds, England. <laughs> right? That's that's exactly right. And it's funny because I think with Orlando City specifically, obviously coming in before Atlanta became a team, we were the southernmost team. And being in Florida, it's a very interesting mix because if you're from the South, obviously you living in the South, it's a huge, that's his college football country. That's what everyone knows. That's what everyone watches. And it kind of mixed that in a sense with soccer culture. So when you come to our games, people are tailgating and people are out there hours before kick. And so we've kind of created our own environment in a sense. And every day on game day, when I'm going into work, I'm always Snapchatting the parking lots. I'm always Snapchatting the games. And I have so many of my friends who really aren't soccer fans and who haven't been to Orlando City Games who live all over the place, whether it be in Houston or up in New York. They're like, what is that? I'm like, this is Orlando City. This is what it looks like when you score a goal and our whole stadium is just a cloud of purple smoke. Like this is this is normal for us. And they're like, you're allowed to have smoke in the stadium. I'm like, oh, you don't even know. Like that's just the beginning of it. And it's so it's just interesting when I have so many of my friends who grew up watching just football and basketball and baseball and they see these videos and they're like, whoa, that's so cool. Like you never see that in any other sport. I'm like, come on in, like more than welcome. <laughs> and so I think it's really just starting to have a trickle effect. 
and I've seen it with my own friends where they're like, oh, I can't wait to like come visit you and go to Orlando City game. I'm like, yep, that's right. MLS, baby. (laughs) Get your season tickets now. Exactly. But uh, you bring up an interesting point about the smoke. It's like I show videos to my friends of like other countries and how they like they light fireworks in the stadium. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, obviously in America we have safety standards, but you have a team <laughs> yeah. in Bolivia that's like, you know, shooting off fireworks at you know, just in the air when their team scores a goal. And you just want to be in that environment. You want to be that excited about something. And we were creating that with the, with the purple smoke. Obviously we can't really do too much like fire wise. We're yeah, still working like, on that. Don Garber, get on that. We want like <laughs> some type of safe flare that we can shoot off so no one gets hurt, but also still have fun. Yeah, I know. Sometimes I help um, run our social media accounts, and I'll pull pictures to post. And I'll sometimes post pictures of like the tailgates and everything of like guys holding smoke and everything like that. And there's so many cool pictures with flares in them, and I'm not allowed to post them. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, if only people could see these photos. They're so badass. I want to I want to shift the uh, conversation from Orlando City to the U.S. Women's National Team, and you, you mentioned yes. them in the the answers you gave me. Obviously, we all support the United States. We're we're, mm-hmm. we're both Americans, and I just want to know how fun it is to support the best national team in the world when it comes to women. It is so much fun. I remember watching them win the World Cup just, what, two and a half, three years, yeah, two and a half years ago. I remember I was working for a baseball team, and I was up in the press box watching their game, not even paying attention to the game I was supposed to be covering at the time, because I was just so just, oh my gosh, we have to win, and like, look where we're at, and I think it, and it's also fun for me, because obviously with Orlando City, I get to cover the Orlando Pride, and that includes Allie Krieger. Ashlyn Harris, Alex Morgan, Marta. Like, I cover incredible women on a daily basis. So having watched the World Cup and now I get to cover these women day in and day out, like, you can't ask for anything better. I would like to note that Alec Kruger has more woke up titles than Namor and Cristiano Ronaldo <laughs> and Lionel yeah. Messi. So I guess Alec Kruger's the best footballer in the world. Exactly. Yeah, I like it. But, I'll have to let her know that. I'll be like, hey, did you know? <laughs> did you know you have more World Cup trophies than the three best footballers in the world? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, so, I, I mean, I, I guess that makes you. I'm not, I'm reckless speculation time. Alec Kruger's the best footballer in the world. And the U.S. Women's National Team is the best football team in the world. So. You heard it here first. Yes. <laughs> I hesitated a little bit because, yeah. No, no hesitation. No hesitation. U.S. Just Women's National it. Team will beat anyone. I'm looking at you, Germany. Yep. But that whole World Cup run in 2015, uh, just with the suspensions in the quarterfinals of Megan Rapino, and just how this team rallied around together, it was fun to watch. I was intrigued. I watched every single game. I blew off like three parties that summer <laughs> to watch this women's team play. And obviously, I grew up, I was I started watching soccer after the 2014 World Cup, and it's kind of amazing that I have a soccer job three years after the fact. But it just watching the men and constantly getting disappointed 
mm-hmm. even to the point where we're not going to Russia next summer, then to like turn on the women's game, it's like, oh yeah, we're beating Columbia 8-0. Yeah. It's, it's so great. And everything around this team with the the relationship you see with the players and the social media does a great job in capturing that. And yeah, you, just, yeah. you just know that this team is better than everyone else. Including, I mean, including Japan, because we, we beat you 5-2. Thank you, Carly <laughs> Lloyd. Carly Lloyd from, like, 57 yards. Carly Lloyd is an animal. That It's amazing. It really is. And I think the best part about that World Cup was I remember working in radio at the time, and I worked with a bunch of guys who didn't give two craps about soccer, whether it's the men's national team, the women's national team. And I remember they were actually talking about it. We actually talked about it on our local radio in Jacksonville, Florida, which is so unheard of. And that's when you, I think, really started to see the movement. And it's especially, I think it was so massive at that point, too, because there is a big difference between men's sports and women's sports, just in general, in the fandom that they get. And they perpetuated such a wave of what it is to be a U.S. soccer fan, whether you are a fan of the men's game, women's game, it didn't matter. And and that also carried over to you seeing so many more young girls getting into the sport and looking up to them, which I think was absolutely massive for this country. Not that soccer, obviously soccer is the fastest growing sport, but that had carried so much momentum behind it. Soccer's that been I the, think we needed. Soccer's been the fastest growing sport since the 1980s. Yep. Uh, but you you, you kind of mentioned it there. It brought nationalism. Like, we're proud of this country in the soccer that we have. It may not be the mm-hmm. best. It may not be the, the prettiest. It, we may not have even, even have a style yet or even names that you know. But we're proud of what we have. And that's what's most important is that you can lay down at night and be proud of what you display to the world. Yeah. But I I want to I want to bring up another point that is not American. You also listed some of your favorite teams as Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. Obviously they have a better history than than some uh, U.S. soccer programs. I'm not going to name names. Uh, Michael Bradley, Josie Altador. Yep. But how did you come about loving Man United? I think a lot of it was... I started following them a lot more when I lived in China, and that's just because of the company that I kept. Like I said, a lot of people that I hung out with were from Europe just because of living in an expat community. So that was just the team that a lot of my friends really liked. And I kind of was just like, okay, well, guess I'll hop on that bandwagon. And so I did. I, I We have soccer playing in our office all the time. Um, I obviously am so engulfed with MLS that I can't follow. I don't follow Man U as closely as I do. But if I am cheering for a team, that's the team I'm typically cheering for. But back when I lived in China, like that's what we were watching all the time. <laughs> what era of... Manchester United players did you grow up in? Did you grow up with Ronaldo and Rooney and Beckham and Giggs? Like, where where'd you kind of enter in in this? Yeah, United definitely sphere? Rooney kind of toward the tail end of Beckham. Everyone knew who Beckham was. Like, I knew who Beckham was prior to even looking at Manchester United. 
so it was kind of in that era, and of course, like it being Bex helped because who doesn't like Bex? <laughs> he's a, he's a beautiful man. He really is. He's a he's a and that family. And you know what? I grew up a Spice Girls fan. <laughs> married to posh. I mean, it just it really worked out in my favor. It just clicked. Everything clicked. I was like, everything about this, yes, I'm on board. That's amazing. That's amazing. But it's funny you bring that up because we had mentioned that in the last couple of shows. It's like you have a team in Manchester and Barcelona and Real Madrid and maybe even like some other Premier League teams like Chelsea. You have mm-hmm. national exposure, but beyond that, you have worldwide exposure with teams, uh, with them traveling to play other teams in other countries and having people in China walk around just, you know, wearing a David Beckham jersey. And it's the this type of worldwide exposure that we want MLS to get to, but obviously we're not there yet. We're still trying to focus on let's make MLS a top three sport. Yeah. I guarantee you, though, like, so obviously Pekka played with Orlando City for three years, and we would get fan mail from China all the time. <laughs> All the time. I guarantee you that if I went back to China today, I could easily find an Orlando City Kakao jersey. Yeah. And, without fail. And maybe when you go to Brazil, too, you might see yeah. a couple Kakao Orlando City jerseys. And Canada, like, having international players does help. And having a Kyle Laren jersey in maybe, like, Ottawa, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's what you want. Maybe not Toronto. They have their own thing. But yeah, <laughs> you know, only only MLS Cup and a, and a treble will go along with it. But I I just want exposure to the rest of the world for this league and specifically its its major teams. Like I know the Galaxy are pretty well known because they had David Beckham. They had yeah. five MLS Cups with Landon Donovan. Like people know the Galaxy, and plus it's in Los Angeles. Like who doesn't mm-hmm. want to go to Los Angeles to live? Because the weather's seventy degrees all the time, and it never rains ever. Maybe maybe like twice a year. Yeah. Maybe. And that's like That's also why they get fires. Yeah, so let's think about this for a second. Yeah, there's pros and cons to everything, but the positives outweigh the negatives. Yeah, exactly. But it's just interesting to me that a lot of people jumped on this Man United turn. Like I jumped on the Spurs bandwagon because they came to play here against the MLS All Stars. And Oh yeah. National exposure. Or worldwide exposure, excuse me. It's it's just interesting to me how people find their teams through just it it being thrown at them. It's like yeah. here 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 that, that's your team go. And that's yeah, why everyone I, definitely has a different story. And that's why Madrid, Barcelona, and Man United are the top three clubs in the world because they market themselves, and it's a fantastic job about marketing. Like it's, oh yeah, it's brilliant. But, it also doesn't hurt to have the history on your side. Yeah, that, teams with more history. Yeah, I'm not. They've been around longer. Exactly. I'm not. It's not like I'm going to support MK Dons in the third <laughs> division. But uh, moving moving on to the last question, I I've asked this in every single interview, just in different forms, you know, being male or female about the national team. What do you say to a 10-year-old girl that's watching the world champion U.S. Men's National Team and admiring the 19-year-old, what they could possibly be one day, Mallory Pugh? What would I say to them? Yes. I think it would just be something as simple as, like, you can do that too. 
Like, there's absolutely nothing stopping you. If you if you want it badly enough, you can do that too, and you can be right where she is. You can win the World Cup. You can win the World Cup. I've always I've always been a big believer in that. I mean, when I was younger and watching sports, I wanted to be a sports reporter. I wanted to be a sports reporter by the age I, by the time I was about seven or eight, and I remember it clear as day. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm working in sports, living out my dream, which is absolutely crazy to think about. Because I'm only like one of the few people that actually do what they say they're going to do and absolutely love what they do. But I'm a big believer. If you want to do something, nothing is stopping you from doing it. There's, it's nothing. It has nothing to do with circumstances, where you live. It's all about if you want it badly enough. And if you want it badly enough, and you put the vibes out into the universe, and you work for it, you're the only person that can stop yourself. I love the touching sentiment match with the dog barking. Yeah, matched with matched with my dog barking in the background. He obviously agrees with me. What what's your dog's name? His name is Harvey, named after Harvey Dent. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I I mean I was just curious. I was just curious. <laughs> but yeah, cause, uh because he's two faced. <laughs> but he agrees with you, so that's why you keep him, right? Exactly. But we can't let you go without going through the lightning round. Five to seven random right. questions. And you didn't know this was coming because I didn't tell you. Because oh, okay. I forgot. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> uh, if you can live in any television home, what would it be? Any television home? Yeah, like uh, like a sitcom. Like that home with that family. Ooh. It's hard Full one. house. Full house. Full house. <laughs> okay. Just have Uncle Jesse just come in every once in a while. Exactly. <laughs> they always just looked like such a fun time, you know? Yeah. Like, there was definitely some family drama, but it was always just fun. And, you know, the intro music on the hill in San Francisco with the trolley going by. Everywhere you look. Yeah, just, See? It, you just jam to it. It just it puts you in a good mood. Song of the decade. <laughs> if you can only eat three foods for the rest of your life, what would they be? Pizza, sushi... Does milkshakes count as a food group? That's a... I would put that in the beverage category. So do I need to come up with one more food? Yeah, it sounds like you have, like, preset to go. Like, it was... Yeah, pizza, pizza and sushi is, like, my go-to for everything in life. Uh, but it has, to be, it has to be Hawaiian pizza, right? Yep. Extra I, pineapples. I did my research. <laughs> Extra in, pineapple. It's in your Twitter uh, bio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think of one more food that I absolutely love. Um, I actually really love salads. So, so, so you would have like a kind of an appetizer for the for the pop, yeah, pineapple pizza. Like I, I don't know what it is. I just really enjoy salads. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all over the place. Okay, so if you could say one sentence to Harvey and him understand and acknowledge you what would it be you're never allowed to jump on the bed that's okay because <laughs> he never listens to me when i say it you no no harvey you can't cuddle ever don't no we can we can cuddle but i just he radiates a lot of body heat so when i'm trying <laughs> to go to sleep it's just like having this giant 85 pound heat warmer next to you and it's very uncomfortable. What kind of dog is he? He's a lab great dame. Oh, goodness. 
Yeah. I can tell by the bark. Also, I can tell by yeah, the bark he he's also, big. Yeah, he also thinks that my bed is his bed and I just happen to sleep in it. Right, it's it's shared. Yeah, I it's Harvey's world and I'm just a part of it. Right. I'm just here to feed him. It's his house and you knew you just make sure he's okay. You're a servant. Exactly. Uh cake or pie. Oh man. We come with the hard hitting journalistic questions. I think instinctually I want to say pie. Because I love pie. Is there is there a butt to this or But what? I love cake. Okay. I, I do. I really love cake. But I think I'm, if I had to choose one, oh, maybe I would say cake. No, I'm switching it to cake. Because <laughs> I love carrot cake. Oh, wow. I can just see the internal conflict in your mind. <laughs> just, I'm going to think about this all day now. I'm just like, man, I really had to choose one. Just a war on both sides. Oh, no, amazing. I'm switching it to cake. Okay, so cake. Uh, what trait has gotten you in the most tr- trouble? Uh, the fact that I'm very sarcastic and sometimes too honest <laughs> and I don't really have a filter a lot of the time. So I kind of just say whatever and don't think about it. And then until it, someone is like, Oh, you probably shouldn't have said that. I'm like, Oh, and you're in the perfect business for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm in the perfect business, you know. Just say whatever is on my mind. Would you rather spend five days exploring Disney World or New York City? New York City. Oh, like alone with no one else there. New York City. New York City. Okay. Sure. Uh, who's your celebrity crush? My celebrity crush. Ooh. Um, I've always thought that Scott Eastwood was really good looking. Scott Eastwood. Okay. Yeah. A little off the radar, but okay. A little off the radar. I do follow him on Instagram, and he likes scuba dives and fishes, and those are, like, two things that I really enjoy doing. And he also, like, rescues dogs, so. Fair enough. Those, are all, those all pull at the heartstrings. You should, like, push Harvey outdoors and, like, say he's running, rain, say he's running away so you have Scott Eastwood just come rescue him. And bring him back oh, to you. my dog did run away this morning. Don't be fooled. <laughs> you should have called him. It's like, hey, here, go, come rescue my dog so we can Dang, I can take I out the coffee. Uh, yeah. la- last one. I ask this to everyone. If you were an Olympic athlete, say say you were a world class athlete, what sport not named soccer would you compete in? Curling. Curling. So you you'd be in the 2018 Winter Olympics. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan of Winter Olympics. Like, I've, I actually, it's funny enough, I actually just had this conversation the other day with somebody about, like, oh, if you could be in the Olympics, which one would you be in? And hands down, I would be in the Winter Olympics. So I think I would do curling, or I would do something that involves snowboarding. So, like, women's, like, half-pipe snowboarding? Yeah. I respect that. Because then I can just be, like, best friends with Sean White. Just go to the X Games. Like women's X Games every year in Aspen, Colorado in January. Just like, I go out there and do it. It's on my bucket list. Oh yeah, it's definitely up there for me. Good both. I can't even pick one. I just want to go to both. Plus Aspen's really nice and not yeah, exactly. not really that cold. It's up there in the mountains, kind of thinner air. It's perfect. Yeah. But that's all I got. 
That was, I mean, you did, you struggled a little bit on the cake and pie question, but. Other, I did. Other than that. I was just warming up. <laughs> you you killed it. More. You killed it toward the, towards the end, though. But, yeah, uh, towards the end, I, I was way more confident in my answers. <laughs> you didn't hesitate. I love the, I think, instinctually pie. Like, the, the whole yeah, quote he, there, the dot, 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 then like a pause, another dot, 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 instinctually. It was great. And you know what I'm sitting here thinking about right now? Wow, you know what I really love? Key lime pie. So is it is it cake or is it pie? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> That's too hard of a question. That's a good quote for an article. I don't know. I don't know. Because it's, it's so true. Like I just am sitting here thinking about all the pies and the cakes I've consumed in my life. And I'm like, wow, I've had some really bomb pies, but I've had some really good cake. Well, we'll let you think about it off air. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks th- for having me. Thanks for being a good bookmark, or like a, a bookend, rather. I, I said bookmark earlier in the show. A bookend to a great series. We're blessed and honored to have you here. It was. Oh, I really appreciate it. It was absolutely fantastic. And yeah, I had a blast. Yeah, it was great. But for Mackenzie Thurkill... I'm Rylett Menace, and this has been the MLS Aces Podcast. <laughs>